Hello, welcome back to another episode. Today's talk is brought to you by Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis. And I'm going to do a little demo here using the Oscilloscape from Recovery and the AI Synthesis Looping ADSR. But in honor of today's guest, I'm going to bring in one of my favorite modules, and that's the Dual Looping Delay by 4MS. Um, so right now I've got the Make Noise Maths Channel 1 and 4 triggering the fundamental and gate input on the oscilloscape from recovery effects. So it sounds a little something like this. I just picture like an old, an old horse being ridden by an old cowboy. And now let's bring that delay in. The aliens are coming. The old man barely notices. Now where this dual looping delay gets really fun is with the CV options. So right now, I have, <clears throat> pardon me, it's very smoky here. I have a contour feeding in to a switch that I'm going to then feed into the feedback of the dual looping delay. Let's see what happens when I turn that on. And then what's really fun is I have the make noise woggle bug and it's got these these crazy like kind of VCO-ish noise ring outs and I've got that fed into the make noise maths channel 2 out into a veils VCA which is being controlled by the AI synthesis looping ADSR. Now I've got that going into the reverse CV in. I'm going to engage that really quick. I think the old cowboy sees the aliens now. What happens if we go stereo? So right now I have the oscilloscape going into channel A of the uh, DLD. Now I'm gonna split that signal and have it go into A and B and basically make this module become two separate delay modules. Oh, well, hopefully those aliens are going to be nice to that cowboy, because the range has been hard. You can see it in his withered face. Go check out recoveryeffects.com and AISynthesis.com. Check out all their really cool modules. I'm going to keep demoing for you. If you guys have any ideas about how you would like to see me use these modules, get a hold of me at uh, podmodcast.gmail.com. And uh, also go check out 4MS's stuff. They have a very wide range of uh, different types of modules, and they're all super high quality. Uh, the pingable envelope generator is phenomenal. The pingable quad LFO. I mean, you name it, they got it. Let's get on with this talk, uh, but first we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping businessy stuff. Today's guest is Alyssa D. Rubis. I'm very, very excited about this. Um, she is one of those, one of those people that are just hugely inspirational. Um, she works for 4MS, for one, an amazing company. Um, and she also is the co-founder of the S1 Synth Library in Portland, which is, 
I don't know. We're going to get into it, but it's, it's just something that I look at in awe, and I just wish that I could do something like that, and maybe someday I'll be able to, but for now... I'm just going to marvel at what Alyssa is doing down there. Um, she travels all around. I don't know. You're, you're going to find out all about her, but she's got a really cool story, and uh, I can't thank her enough for her time. Um, before we get into that, <clears throat> i got to apologize for my voice sounding so... Uh, the uh, wildfire situation here in the Pacific Northwest is out of control. I can't even see for a quarter mile here in Seattle. It's raining ash, snowing ash. I don't know. Ash is falling from the sky because of uh, everything that's going on down in, I think it's from Southern California. There's fires here. There's fires in Oregon. And British Columbia is just, I think that whole province is on fire right now. So let's all get together and make some rain, rain patches. Let's all, let's all try to conjure the rain spirits with our modular synthesizers because those firefighters out there need it. I'm not sure if you uh, know any wildland firefighters, but if you do, give them a big hug. Uh, they do such hard work, such hard, grueling work. Um, I did something called guard school within the Forest Service when I did archaeology for them for a few summers. And that's just the school that you go through that's a week long to prepare you for uh, firefighting. Uh, just everybody who worked at the Forest, forest Service for the summer kind of got trained in case they needed it. I never did go out on a fire, but the, uh, the mock fire they did for the last day of training where they literally set a chunk of woods on fire and we went in and had to dig line and try to put it all out it was it was intense and it is smoky and i mean that's i know you know it's smoky but you don't realize how smoky it is until you're in there and the fact that these people are up there doing you know 18 hour shifts for you know 14 days straight i don't know i'm kind of rambling about it but it's just if you know somebody who does that give them give them a big big hug um before we get into this, I want to say thank you again to all you Patreon subscribers. You guys are helping out a lot. And I added a few new tiers to the Patreon page. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to where, how about you join a, a specific tier and then you pick an adjective and noun to give to me. And then I make a patch based off of that like we do in the show. And then um, there's the higher tier where I would make a full video of the patch and kind of walk through it um, and put that on uh, YouTube and then just kind of a more simple version um, I would make the patch and play it and give you a shout out on an Instagram video um, I think it would be a lot of fun for me and it would be a cool way for us to interact so if you're not uh, a, a Patreon subscriber yet and that sounds like a good time go to patreon.com forward slash modular modcast I would really appreciate it um also, we got the uh, Lemon Jaya LP or EP coming out on Self Center Records. Um, that is available for pre order, and you can hear that playing below me right now. Uh, head over to Self Center Records.bandcamp.com and uh, yeah, get that pre order. Now, let's get on to this talk with Alyssa. First off, embarrassing question, how do you pronounce your last name? Um, that's not embarrassing. Everyone has that question. <laughs> and the okay. way I pronounce it is D. Rubis. I was having a hard time today deciding how 
I would navigate this conversation because I feel like there is so much we could talk about with you. <laughs> um, definitely want to talk about 4MS. Certainly want to talk about um, the synth library. Um, but I would like to start with just kind of your journey from when music first entered your life and when you, you know, when, when did it become something that it was, you know, just part of you and, and how did you know you were going to be a musician? That's always a nice question. Um, I don't, I don't even, I, I guess I'm a musician, but also I've always been interested in music. Um, like when I, when I've thought about that and I've tried to think really critically about that, um, music has always been interesting for me to listen to and to make. And as a kid, it was fun to make instruments out of whatever cardboard and rubber bands and rice and, you know, the, those kinds of things. That was always fun for me. I used to like wash uh, the chalkboards for my music teacher in elementary school so I could play the xylophones extra after school. <laughs> um, I played clarinet and I also sung and I got to sing in special choirs and travel places to sing. Uh, oh. And that was pretty convincing for me. Um, yeah, so I... I don't know. I've sort of, in a way, always been interested in music. I learned how to play the banjo some. Um, I aspire to play the saxophone, and I've learned a little bit about it. Uh, I tried to learn piano one winter, and I got as far as learning how to play Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Most music is interesting for me, and everyone in my family was an appreciator of music, too. So we had uh, big speakers and a large CD collection, and I was lucky to always sort of be exposed to music. Yeah, that's that seems to be a common thread with everybody I've talked to is there's always there's there's been a musical home and, you know, just exposure to it at a young age. And, you know, from from people who get classically trained on piano from a young age to people like uh, our stories are similar, just kind of um, just floating around on instruments. Um, there's always that that common that common thing. And it, it gets you early. I remember uh I don't remember doing it, but I remember being told many times by my mother that I had a, a little portable radio and, and microphone, and I just loved singing uh, "Everybody Wang Chung Tonight." I just I just <laughs> dated myself, but <laughs> so how did you get into like I, I know you do some circuit bending or, or got into that's how you got into working with 4MS was kind of with a, a passive circuit bending, is that right? Well, I'm I'm definitely not good at circuit bending at all, and I would say some of my uh, co workers and uh, compatriots at the library are definitely the ones with a grip on that. But um, there is an amazing volunteer-run nonprofit in Austin called Church of the Friendly Ghost, and I helped. Uh, with curation and administration and things like that. And so there was a series um, that was for beginners and you could learn how to build uh, a kit. So you learn how to solder and follow instructions and build a basic electronic and instrument. And 
everyone played them together at the end, and it was called Handmade Music <laughs> Austin. Um, and that was how I got to know Dan Green, and also through Church of the Friendly Ghost is how I learned how to solder and circuit bend and run sound and really how to curate and manage putting on shows and events. So that was um, a really important community space for uh, modular synthesis in Austin. And there's a number of companies that were sort of born around that time and the creativity that was in the air. So I was lucky to be exposed to LZX video synth modules early on. Um, Bleep Labs is there. Yeah, I was just down there and I talked to Chad from Switched On and and met, um, and met, I forgot, is it Mike from Bleep Labs? Um, yeah, so that, that was cool. And, and he, yeah, he told totally. me that a lot of the, uh, the, the Portland companies started down there for MS and Maleco and, and, um, and you, so you moved up from Austin with, with for MS basically. Is that, is that right? Uh, sort of. Yeah, we were friends and we knew each other. I didn't work for for MS officially until after we were located in Portland because in Austin I was, uh, I was working with Church of the Friendly Ghost, but my day job was being a raw vegan chef, actually. So I was sort of focused on growing, making, and manufacturing food. Okay. So how long have you been in Portland now? Uh, Close to five years, I guess. Do you miss Austin? Yeah, sometimes I miss Austin. Um, But I'm going back next month to play Enmass Festival, which is put on by the Church of the Friendly Ghost. And uh, Robert Aki Abrilo will be headlining, and I'm honored to play. But it will be, like, way over 100 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) so I don't miss that. Okay, and is that going to be with with your your project that you work on? yeah, Quiet Eyes of Air with Yassi Pereira. Did I say that wrong? Is it Quiet Eyes or Quiet? It is quiet, yeah. Oh. It seems like it would be quiet, but it isn't. I think my brain just wanted to make it that. Um, so in what capacity do you work with 4MS? Do you do, you do like assembly stuff or help with design or? Uh, kind of neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my role is in communications and marketing and admin, and I try and be helpful to anyone when I can, but I'm definitely, uh, I'm not patient or coordinated enough to be a real builder, (laughs) Um, and I definitely don't know circuits or anything about the inside of synthesizers enough to be designing. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same, same boat. I've, I've recently built a few kits and I I've had success with that, but I definitely, I definitely do not have what it takes to be like the full blown designer and all that. Um, but speak. Yeah. I I can build modules. Everyone, I, I will say that everyone in the 4MS office can build any of our modules and that's that is a thing so we're all able to build everything and can and have built them but okay. 
Um, I, I admire builders. It's a real, it's a real skill to be able to handle that day in and day out. And, uh, I don't know, not burn yourself or mess up a thing so many times or <laughs> yeah. making it through one of something is a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. I, I've definitely fried some stuff. Um, but I think kits are getting better or you just have to, to find the right kits. Um, but yeah, I just I just, just talked with Abe from AI Synthesis. I don't know if you know him, but he's down there in Portland. And uh, he was just telling me that yeah. it's just such a strong community you guys have down ha- uh, strong community you guys have down there with all the different builders and I asked him if if there was any sort of like friendly competition and he said it wasn't even really a competition thing that everybody just kind of helps each other out and I don't know, it just sounds it sounds like Portland is quite the mecca of of modular synthesis it is yeah um i i think about that sometimes because of course we all i would i wouldn't say we take it for granted i think we're we know that we're lucky in some way but it it's special to have like over 10 synth companies or something in a city this size and so who knows how long that will be it's just the choices of a bunch of individuals have seemed to magically align themselves in such a way that we have uh-huh. so many uh, synth makers right now. And yeah, I would say that Abe is right. Like I, it doesn't seem to me like any of us are in competition and we all uh, enjoy playing video games together and hanging out and <laughs> nerding out at the synth <laughs> stores and wherever um we get to oh, have man. shows in a vibrant community like i think we're all glad to have each other here yeah well that's that's so cool we're, we're starting to get a pretty cool community up here um and i'm really i'm really wanting to make my way down there you're not so far away um it's just uh I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to make it down there from up here in Seattle. I don't know what that is. I don't it's it's not even 3 hours, but um I'm planning a trip down there. I'd like to come and spend like 3 or 4 four nights there and uh try to meet everybody and and go to some cool shows or something. Yeah, you should. There's there's always some cool shows going on. Yeah, I imagine. And I really really want to come check out S1 and uh in particular, the synth library. And I know you've been asked a million questions about this, but just briefly for our listener, if they don't know, could you give us a little bit of background on how you started that and what it is? Yeah. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to have something like a synth library somewhere. And I spent some time reading and researching and at NAM and other events like uh, Make Noise and other manufacturers can definitely remember before I even had a space or a shape or an idea. I was like, I, I want to one day have something like a library and if I can figure it out, will you donate synthesizers? And everyone was like, yeah, totally. Um so I was sort of looking around and researching and nothing nothing seemed quite right. And then my coworkers uh, said they heard about an event that was only for female 
and non-binary identified people and they're a group of guys and they were like it sounds really cool and apparently there's all of these like dj ladies and they're sharing technology will you go and tell us how it is and i said okay sure so i went to dj night even though i'm definitely not a dj um it was called women's beat league open deck night and there were a bunch of amazing women there and they were sharing what they knew about uh, electronic music, whether that was DJing or Ableton or whatever it was. And I kind of knew right away, <laughs> like love at first sight, um, that this is where I wanted the synth library to be. So I asked like, who's in charge of this space? Who founded this space? And someone pointed and showed me which woman was in charge. And I said, like, hi, uh, my name's Alyssa. She said, hi, I'm Felicia. And I said, I want to make a synth library here. And she said, okay. And then we just figured it out. Uh, so yeah, Felicia Ledesma co-founded the library with me and um, she co-founded S1 with Alex Ann Smith. And so she is in charge of the whole nonprofit the Synth Library is inside of. And the Synth Library is um, a room inside of a multi-use nonprofit space. And so in addition to the Synth Library, we also have a gallery space and we have shows and workshops and we um, host events with other nonprofits, and yeah, you can learn about all kinds of things at S1, which is something that really appealed to me um, for the synth library. So then it can really be a tool for artists of different practice because it's not just in a synth store or somewhere where only synth players go. So we have a lot of musicians and artists from backgrounds that might not even be sonic backgrounds coming into the synth library to learn. And I think that's a really nice environment. I really like that aspect of it because um, it seems like the synth community and particularly the the modular community while while it is very open and and from what my my experience very you know nice group of people it can be kind of intimidating from the outside and maybe even non-existent to a lot of people so i think it's cool that you have that space there for people to kind of maybe get a peek at it and be like oh what is that and then oh you want to know come and take one of our classes or something i think that's an it's, it's i just think that's a cool way to maybe introduce people who otherwise wouldn't have found it yeah and the synth library Prague, which i co-founded with um mary c um is also inside of a multi-use artist-run building called Zook. And so it's the same case there where there's all kinds of um, learning and interactions that happen. And the synth library is one of many resources available to artists in the building. Okay, yeah, I definitely want to talk about, um, yeah, the synth library Prague, which... Um, it's, that's that's just recent, right? Just the last few months. Um, is that right? It opened up just... Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. The, the official opening was um, last month. 
And you guys are going to do, from what I understand, some some residency type things, like sending people from here, there, and, and vice versa to, to set up and maybe do workshops and classes and performances? Yeah, and we already got to have the experience of having a um, student from Disc Woman who also uh, works in modular since as a day job, uh, co-teaching workshops at Moogfest with us and then going over to the Prague Library and wow. teaching uh, some workshops over there. And so I feel like that's like a really valuable experience for our artists and also for our community to, to see um, the same the same workshops or similar programming and to have access to a similar knowledge base. Um, and obviously everyone takes their creativity and does what they will with knowledge, but uh, I think it's really special for all of us when we can uh, share those experiences and be like, oh yeah, that thing that that person knows, like I got to see that myself too. Um, so we, we just got through a lot of information. I know I want to backtrack just a little bit and just, um, just for the listener with the, the synth library, there are intro classes to synthesis, which are kind of their three hour workshops. Um, and then after completion of that, you have access as a student or a member of the synth library, right? Four to five days a week. And, um, you guys work on a sliding scale and you don't refuse anybody who, can't pay at all and you even offer scholarships so i don't know if i it, and you do and this is a non-profit thing so the amount of work and love that goes into this is just i don't know very inspiring and i just i'm so i'm so excited by it um so thank you but i mean how how much work <laughs> is it and i mean how do you keep up with it i feel like you got so much stuff going on <laughs> um thank you it is a, a tremendous amount of work, honestly. And it's a lot of work for all of us. And we're very fortunate here at the Synth Library Portland to have uh, a team of 30 volunteers that help with S1 and help keep mm -hmm. the space open and running because it it's a lot of work for many people to um, run something at this scale. That's, uh, that's amazing. And, and you guys have over 30 manufacturers who have, yeah. who have donated modules. Is that right? That is crazy. That is so cool. Yeah, it is. I think it might be getting closer to 40 or something. I haven't. Wow. I haven't kept up with counting. To answer the second part of your question, I don't really keep up with everything. Um, yeah. I, I do my best, but I can see a lot of things like uh, keeping completely up to date with, with statistics. So that way when I'm in an interview, I can say the right <laughs> number. Things like that I probably... <laughs> Could keep up with, and yet somehow I don't. So there's some things I could definitely improve on, and I myself am learning all of the time with the synth library, not just about synthesizers, but also how to um, 
whatever, document things and, uh, yeah, keep track of, keep track of everything in a, in a meaningful way. I'm right there with you by trying to, you know, just doing this podcast weekly, um, definitely in a little over my head and I'm not even doing a fraction of what you're doing. So (laughs) I feel for you there. Um, like I, I, you know, I'm not, uh, married. I don't have kids. I don't, uh, I go to work and then I do more work after work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's just, that's just, uh, a testament to like the passion that you have. And I don't know, there's, there's just like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm gonna edit that because I, I feel like I'm gushing a little too much. But I I definitely want to um, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about um, your recent kind of uh, almost like world tour that started. It seemed like with Super Booth. I I kind of followed you on Instagram through that, and you just seemed like you were doing all sorts of really cool festivals and 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 you do a lot of um, like workshops and and panels on. Um, like gender in, in the modular community. And, um, and I know a lot of your, your, you have classes that are, are for women and non-binary people only. And I just, I wanted to just kind of have you speak on that. And I know we could probably hear one of your workshops sometime, but for those of us who haven't, um, could you just kind of give us a rundown on that stuff? It's a poorly formed question. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I have, I have given, I have given talks on that, um, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's always an interesting topic. I can't say it's an easy one for me. Um, I do have workshops every month that are for only female and non-binary identified individuals, and I really enjoy teaching those. Um, I think that's a really valuable part of my practice um my tour in europe had i I, uh at super booth i was teaching intro workshops every day and they were just for female and non-binary identified individuals so um i think that was offered last year also but i think that in the end, um, men were allowed in, and I uh, didn't let them in. And <laughs> I guess I'm that one. And <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that because I I don't have anything against. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I'm fine with teaching intros for everyone and having everyone in one classroom. Like, I couldn't say I have anything against everyone learning all together. But I do know that for some people, it is valuable to learn just in groups with other female non-binary identified people. And so I offer that. And it's... um, it's always a great time for me and I always learn a lot myself from these amazing people who come to these workshops and yeah, I think, uh, whenever that can be offered, it, it should be 
I'm for it. I I totally agree. I'm I am I am very uh very for it and very inspired by it and it's I have a hard time trying to talk about it on especially on something like this where it's going to go out to the world because I don't know. It's it's hard as a as a just you know a white cisgender male to to try to speak to anything about this. Um but one thing I have noticed is I've, I keep hearing this same story from um, my female artist friends. And it was something that I was totally oblivious to until just recently. And I'm kind of, it bums me out how oblivious I was to it. But it's this kind of, this uh, exclusionary like boys club thing that was going on. And, and here I always thought, oh, we're just a bunch of nerds and everybody's welcome. But there, there were things that maybe we were all doing without, without knowing that we were doing it that, that made it seem like an exclusive thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I just like seeing what, like people like you doing what you're doing and, um, and hearing these stories and just really trying to just take it all in. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm trying to formulate a question right now or what, but, um, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. I hear, I hear that a lot. Um, I think a lot of people feel like they don't uh, mean for it to be uh, exclusionary or a boys club. And that's what all the synth manufacturers were telling me uh, before I opened the synth library. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think it is actually, it might, it might be true that plenty of people um, don't mean to exclude uh, people from synthesizers or modular synthesis. But the problem is that uh, it's not just up to us as individuals who has access and feels like they have access to us specialized music technology so society still like exists um and we're just like within society is sort of my role or my view so it's um and my role you know we're we're all just one small part of even even if you're going to take a like snapshot or a small slice if we're only a part of the music community then we're a really small part even of the music community and so we exist within that context a, a larger context something that's bigger than our uh our vibe as individual modular players which m may be may or may not be the dorky uh synth crew that we think of um when we think of modular synths us too. A lot of people maybe think of modular sense only in universities or rich people's hands and not like uh, in the hands of our charming dorky friend, whoever, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I think for a long time, if, if you know, going to a synth meet or, or something, some, something that was synth related and having it being mostly male, I think it was the the common thought was oh well you know it's just an interest thing you know just girls aren't interested in that and i i don't i think that's definitely an idea that's that's being obliterated because it's i don't think that's true at all and i think like what you're doing is is 
is allowing is it's kind of it's kind of help, helping to dispel that that cultural and and uh, capitalist myth that was built. You know, it's just kind of how have we been formed by what's been sold to us and what we're told we're supposed to like and everything. And I don't know. I think it's it's really great to see like people like you and then people like Chris. Uh, from noise engineering who does the the ladies of modular stuff um i don't know i just see it i see it growing and growing and here in seattle i see more and more um you know more and more females and non-binary people showing up to the uh the events and it's i don't know it's exciting it is yeah and also it's wild because um women of course have always been centrally important to electronic music not even just here but um everywhere so it's yeah yeah it's wild how the capitalist agenda to create um singular heroes and famous people has really erased uh, the course of of history but in plenty in plenty of cases when you look at early electronic music there are women as central figures so um yeah and i, I feel and I'm, i don't want to like that people are seeing uh-huh. this work and feeling inspired by it but i i don't feel uh like i i'm the one to think of it or something like that you know right right well yeah that's good i mean i mean i guess it's good to keep like a <laughs> i don't know but it's I guess it's better to do that than to walk around being like I'm changing the world it's all because of me or whatever <laughs> yeah you know it's funny you say that because like um I think like I was watching the I Dream of Wires and I don't think uh Suzanne Chiani was re- mentioned once and I just kept waiting I'm like when is the Suzanne Chiani part because like she's <laughs> she's like the one like I don't know. I'm, I was kind of bummed about that. And if you were one of the producers on that movie, I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen a section on Suzanne Chiani there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I saw a documentary in Prague that was about uh, Norway's electronic music scene, and there was only one woman in it. And I said, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even necessarily trying to be that one that starts a fight right now, but I don't even know that much about yeah. Norway's electronic and techno music history. So was there really only one woman playing techno <laughs> in, in Norway's history? Um, and the, the guy was like, well, no, of course not. But like, you know, you're making a movie and you have to cut something. So I'm sure that's, you know, and that's probably what it's, uh, I would hope that the guy who made I Dream of Wires, he probably knows Suzanne Chiani, and maybe he just ran out of time on the film or something and had to cut someone, so it was uh, her, I don't know. Yeah, I've probably thought about it more than I should. And I don't even know if it might cut this out. I don't want, I don't want to like be attacking anybody and I don't know what, what, what they did or did not do on purpose but i was just hoping like maybe she just didn't want to talk and and they didn't or maybe she just didn't want to be a part of it or something (laughs) i don't know yeah that's true yeah i mean i don't i mean i'm not saying i'm giving them that i'm just you know i just kind of wishful thinking i guess um i'm I'm into that wishful thinking why not (laughs) um but yeah i it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun movie um 
So you also also have taught classes to incarcerated youth with, with uh, synthesis classes, which to me sounds like a, like a really crazy but probably really neat experience. And I've read about this here and there, but I, I didn't really hear, I haven't found anything where you really go into much detail about that. And I just kind of want to just hear as much as you'd like to talk about that whole experience. And that just sounds like such a unique experience. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's uh, something that I find hard or problematic to talk about because uh, first and foremost, I uh, am for all prisons being abolished. And so primarily being for the abolishment of prisons, it's difficult to participate um, in in that structure in any way that lends it a complementary light. And so it's important to say that even my work there was only able to happen because of severe problems uh, in the system. I can't, I'm not going to go into it more, but it's not, um, I am not for prisons, and prisons are never nice, and they're never good. Um, So regardless of what class or workshop is being offered there, it shouldn't exist in the first place, and these girls shouldn't have been incarcerated to begin with. I am 100% on board with that as well, Um, especially especially the, our system here in the United States, but that could be a whole other podcast. And I only want you to speak to this as much as you're comfortable with. So, um, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, I got to um, bring in each girl in the class had her own OCOS, and then we had a central Euro rack system um, that we all worked on together. And so we got to enjoy a course that was a college prep class <clears throat> on modular synthesis. And Dan Green, who uh, owns and runs 4MS, te- was teaching modular synthesis in the college itself. So it was possible to take my workshop and then be released and go on to uh, study music even more in depth and study rock even more in depth at the community college here in Portland. And and how long ago was that? Have you have you got to see any of them maybe take that step into college or? Yeah, yeah some of them went to college. Um, none of them are still playing Eurorack, but some of them are in college there, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I, I guess the, the underlying idea is, is uh, well, I don't even know, but it's it seems like reformation is, I don't even know how to use that word, but I don't know. I think if the, people doing something like you were doing there, I mean, in, in such a horrible system, I don't think anything in that system is actually going to be beneficial for them, you know, just being locked up in this horrible place and being treated poorly. But hopefully something like a workshop that you could do could have been enough just to maybe 
you know, give that somebody that somebody in that class a sliver of kindness and be shown that there are still kind people in the world or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting a little too hippy dippy with it, but. Well, more poignantly, there are no instruments in the entire prison. There wasn't a single instrument available for any of the girls to play. And so having an instrument, which maybe modular synth is a weird instrument, if that's your only one, um, but bringing any instrument mm-hmm. into a facility if there is no instruments, um seems important. I value music so uh, strongly that I really um, yeah, I would like to see everyone having access to an instrument. Yeah, I I can't imagine it would do anything harmful. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, I... I get pretty bummed out when I start thinking about all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's a weird, really, really weird time to be alive. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to switch gears here because I'm getting in over my head with things of, of my knowledge on this stuff. And also I just, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, again, I just, I, I, I admire that you, you took time out for, for people that I think a lot of people kind of don't even think about. And uh, I think that's, that's pretty nice. I mean, these girls were like some of my best students and they learned modular synth way faster than most people who come into the synth library because young people are so great at technology and stuff. And so it's, uh, it wasn't scarier, hard or bad. And, Furthermore, they were all really excellent students, and so it was experientially uh, a very easy thing to do. Yeah, well, I was going to ask if, if any of them, if, if, if there was, uh, did they get excited about it? And, and it seems like I've, I've tried to show just friends my, my modular rig and, and some of them think it's cool. And then some people's eyes just totally glaze over. So I was imagining like teenagers might be a hard sell, but I guess, like you said, they're good with technology. So they might, you know, it might not be as, yeah, as hard of a sell. variety of options. If you have a larger rack system and Ocos then you can kind of play whatever you're um, up to playing. And, you know, some girls were better at beats and some were more interested in drones and some only wanted to play their O-Coast and didn't really want to patch the Euro rack. And everyone has their, their own their own interests depending on what kind of music that they like and feel drawn to but that's uh i think what's special about modular synths as a tool is that whatever your interest is there's uh some instrument or module that can help you create whatever it is there's so many choices yeah, for sure. It's just, it's such a, a cool way to personalize your sound and really be able to, to carve out exactly what you're, you're looking for. And, and it's cool to kind of bounce ideas off of the setup itself, you know, cause 
it seems like it's almost like an interactive thing with uh, some sort of AI or some weird animal or something. Hey gang, quick break to showcase some of our sponsors' modules. I'm going to be using the Recovery Effects Bad Comrade Cutting Room Floor and Oscilloscape, and then I'll be using the AI Synthesis Voltage Controlled Filter. And in honor of today's guest, I'm going to be using the Dual Looping Delay from 4MS. It's a crazy module. I'm going to be using it in a very rudimentary way. Won't be using any of the CV ends or anything. So I'm just going to show you how a simple little drum beat can be turned into a nice shuffling cool pattern with just some simple delay. I'm using the peaks from Mutable for my kick and snare and then noise engineering is providing that beautiful hi-hat sound. So that hi-hat from uh, the Basimilis is running to channel A of the dual looping delay and I'm going to be fading that in right about now. So it's already, the patch is already moving a little bit more. And then that snare is also going to be going into channel B of the dual looping delay. And you can hear that shuffle kind of start to, start to happen. It's already quite a bit more busy. Now that is the oscilloscape from Recovery Effects being fed into the cutting room floor of the, of, by Recovery Effects. And I'm going to modulate that CV here, right there. And you can hear it when I turn it off, there's a little flutter. Engaged. Off. Now I'm going to be using that uh, Bad Comrade from Recovery Effects to run this bass drum in. You can hear that coming up behind my voice right now, a really nasty doom. That's unmodulated. And I am going to throw some modulation on there. Um, it's pretty subtle, but it does help the patch get a little bit more character. So when it's big and full, that's no CV. And when it's kind of broken up, that's with, with a simple CV uh, input going in there. And then I'm going to be bringing that voltage-controlled filter into the mix. So I've got the Bad Comrade split out into there now. And then that voltage-controlled filter is being modulated by the mass and the contour for Make Noise. And there you go. A simple four-on-the-floor drum beat turned into a nice, shuffly, glitchy, noisy pattern. Um, it's pretty neat for me to see that uh, all these modules that I have used in this patch to help showcase the recovery and AI stuff, we've had a representative on from the company. So we make noise. We had Walker Farrell on. Uh, noise Engineering, Chris and Steven are on the show, and then today we have Alyssa from 4MS. Um, the only one that uh, has not been on the show yet is, is Olivier from Mutable. And I hear he's a hard get, but maybe I'll try to see if he wants to come on the show and talk to me. Either way, let's get back to our talk with Alyssa. So, your adjective is as submitted from people on Facebook, so I didn't come up with these. I like how you're trying to not take credit before you even read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes they're pretty they're pretty weird or pretty, I don't know. Uh, O-fish. Oh, that's a fun one. O-fish cephalopod. Wow, what? That's, that's okay. <laughs> O-fish that's, that's like a little... Uh, Sea creature, right? A pregnant butterfly. I think a cephalopod is a is a sea creature of some sort. Yeah, it's one of those weird, uh, like, mollusk-looking things. Uh, an active predatory mollusk of the large class cephalopoda. 
It means head foot, I think. Alyssa for being on the show um, that was a, a really really fun talk um, she's a super inspirational person and if you want to learn more about uh, you know everything she's up to go to s1portland.com and once again thank you to our sponsors recovery effects and AI synthesis and uh, thank you to all you patreon subscribers um, you're you're really helping out and if uh, if you're not a subscriber and you'd like to be go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast uh got some new um donor tiers in there that i think would be a lot of fun a good way for us to interact also please go check out selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com um we got a pre-order for lemon jaya's new ep uh it's it's really really good stuff i think you guys will enjoy it um so with that we will uh we'll see you next week